Amen. We are uh, continuing our series uh, on life apps this morning. We've talked about uh, application is everything. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about encouragement. And this morning we're talking about rest. And so what I said on Facebook last night was that does not give you permission to fall asleep during the sermon, uh, just because we're talking about rest. But um, all, all serious, if, if, if someone falls asleep during my sermon, this is what I just say, that I'm just providing a meaningful service to someone who needs some rest. And so if that, that happens this morning, I'm still going to put you on my naughty list, but it'll be all right. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 22 through 24, just a small section of scripture there. But if you're able, I'm going to ask if you stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 24. This is uh, the moment just after Jesus had fed the 5,000. We remember looking at that a few weeks ago. And this is the, this is the moment right after that. Immediately... Uh, the scripture says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, I can imagine that depending on your, your, your place in life, that, that some of you are a little bit more interested in this topic of rest than others. Um, I'm sure that many of you, te you teachers, after four weeks of being back at school, you're like, where is the rest? Where is this mythical thing called rest? Um, you're probably already asking the question, when's summer again? When's that happening? Um, if you're a parent, um, not to mention if you're a parent of more than one child, you're probably searching for a little rest. I know I am. That's, I don't know where that is. If you're a single parent, God bless you. Bless you. I know you need some rest this morning. Now, I, I wish that I could say that most of us are good at getting uh, time, setting time out to rest our bodies, minds, and souls, but the fact is most of us are not very good at it. I think a lot of it has to do with the country we live in, the culture that we have grown up in, and of course it depends on our work and our work environments and what's required there. But a study came out a few years ago that was titled The No Vacation Nation. The No Vacation Nation. And it was a study that compared the vacation policies of other countries to that of the United States. And what it came up with was that the U.S. is a no-vacation nation. When this study looked at the policies of taking vacation uh, in other countries, it found, out, it found a few interesting things. For one, America is the only advanced country in the world that does not guarantee workers any paid vacation or holidays. As a result, one in four workers in America do not receive paid vacation days. The study also showed that the average American only has uh, nine days of vacation a year. Now compare this to England with 20 vacation days, Germany with 22, Italy with 23, and France with a full month's worth 
of a vacation. I think I may move to France, but... And not only do we average less days of vacation, we are less likely to take the full amount of vacation days we're allotted. The study says that only 57% of Americans use their allotted vacation compared to 89% in uh, France. And not only do other countries have more vacation days than we do, they don't mind if you take it all at once. Just try and take two weeks of vacation here in the States and see what kind of job you have left when you get back. And not only do most companies only want you to take one week of vacation at a time, if that, many companies expect you to be on call and to check emails while you're gone on vacation. The joke for many workers is that vacation just means that you work from somewhere else. You see, the problem for us is that we live in a culture and a society where it is okay and even glorified for you to be a workaholic. It is culturally acceptable to work crazy hours and to take no vacation. My dad, who he's not here to defend himself, is just coming around to the fact that he is or was a workaholic. It just took a heart bypass surgery for him to to realize that. That's it. That's all. I know many pastors who describe themselves as a workaholic, and they do it with like a badge of honor. But let me tell you something. God never intended for us to solely be focused on our work. There's plenty of scripture that that tells us to work, to, to use our hands, the importance of work. But he never, ever intended us to become workaholics. Jesus reminds us to rest in Matthew 11. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I can't tell you how many times I have heard and read these words in Scripture, and I've always understood this as Jesus telling us to rest. The thing that I have come to realize is that What Jesus is really telling us is that he wants to give us rest. Rest is a gift from God. God wants to give us the gift of rest. But we live an ironic existence. We complain about how tired and and overwhelmed we feel, but we refuse to take hold of the gift of rest that God gives us. Jesus wants to give you rest. And this morning, we're going to talk about how we can accept this gift. And I'm I'm going to make it easy for you this morning, or try to make it easy for you this morning. I'm going to give you the three S's of rest. Now, normally, I don't always get cute with my sermons like this, with three points that are three S's, but, you know, we'll see how it works. But as I was looking at Scripture, I mean, these three words just kept coming to my brain, and, and, and they're this. They're solitude, silence, and Sabbath. Solitude, silence, and Sabbath. The first is solitude. In our passage from Matthew 14, it says this, after Jesus had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Now, Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000, which was really like fifteen to 20,000. 
including women and children. He had gone there to be by himself because he had heard about John the Baptist dying. And so he had gone to this place to be by himself, but then the crowd followed him, and so he decided, well, I'll teach them, and I'll, I guess I'll heal them, and I guess I'll feed them too. And so now he's fed them, and he dismisses them, and he's like, finally, I can be alone. Even Jesus got tired. I'm sure he was wiped out from the day's event. So our scripture tells us that he sent off the disciples, he dismissed the crowd, and he went by himself to pray. Luke 5, it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was a regular thing for Jesus. He regularly found time and opportunities for rest and solitude. The Messiah, And so if the Messiah himself if Christ himself made time for rest and solitude, don't you think we ought to as well? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, you may be surprised to find out this, but I'm an introvert. I am. Um, you might not have thought I was, but at heart, at heart, I'm an introvert. Because you're surprised because you probably uh, may not understand what an introvert is. A lot of times we think of an introvert, they're just in the corner. They're, you know, I just don't want to be by myself. Oh, my goodness. And there are those people who are like that. Introvert simply means that, that I get my energy from being by myself. So when I'm in a crowd, I'm fine. I can handle it. I'm socially, I can, we're, we're good. I love being with you. But afterwards... I'm drained. On a normal Sunday afternoon, I'm going to go home, I'm going to sit in my recliner, and I'm going to sit there like a zombie because I'm zapped. I heard a, um, a comedian being interviewed, and it came out that she was an introvert, and they're like, how, do you, how can you get up and stand up in front of everybody and, and, and you're an introvert? Well, I'm up here by myself, right? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you're out there. <laughs> I thought that was good. That was good. I like that. That was good. I, I, I recharge from being by, by being by myself. So it's, it's easy for me as an introvert to schedule time to, to, for solitude. I have to if I'm going to recharge my batteries. I have to. For you extroverts out there, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because you feed off the crowd. You get your energy from being with uh, and around others. So you're going to have to be more deliberate. You're going to have to be more intentional about making time for yourself and for solitude. But no matter our personality types, no matter our professions, we all need solitude. Jesus needed it, so do we. We need time for ourselves to focus our lives, to recharge our batteries, and it's in our times of solitude where we can find silence. That's the second S, silence. And again, we look to Jesus. The, the verses we just looked at told us that Jesus went off by himself to lonely places and he prayed. We often think praying or prayer as something we say to God, right? Lord's Prayer, that's something we say to God. Rarely, though, and mistakenly, do we realize that prayer is a two-way street. 
It's communication with God. And so when we communicate with someone, we have to talk with them, yes, but we've also got to listen, right? And in order to listen to someone, especially when it's God, we've got to be silent. You probably heard the saying that God gave us two ears and one mouth. You've got to listen twice as much as the, the, that you speak. We've got to close our mouths, remove the noise around us, so that we can hear God speak to us. You know, a study came out that said that uh, 183 million people in America, 183 million people in America are regularly exposed to noise levels that are above what the Environmental Protection Agency deem as, as healthy and normal. Too loud. We listen to too loud of things. We, and some of you parents are like, yeah, all the time. Kid number one, kid number two, kid number three, they're loud. But not only is this harmful for your hearing, but there's so much noise in our world. How in the world can we expect to hear from God? And if we're not still and we're not creating solitude in our lives, if we're not just stopping, and if we're, if we're not listening and creating silence in our lives, how is Jesus going to give us rest? Part of rest is hearing God and part of Hearing God is being silent. It's hard to do that with so much noise in our lives. A man by the name of Bernie Cross, he records natural nature sounds for film and television. So that's what, that's what his job does. He, he records nature sounds for film and television. He said that in 1968, in order to get one hour of nat natural sound, like no airplanes, no cars, no artificial noise, just nature. That in 1968, it would take him about 15 hours of recording time to get one hour without any artificial noise. In 2005, that's 11 years ago, to get the same hour of undisturbed sound, it took him 2,000 hours of recording time. Can you believe that? 2,000 hours just to get one hour of natural sound. So not only are we living in a culture that demands us to work all the time, it's also a very loud culture. This means we've got to be even more intentional about finding rest and finding those silent moments. This means, and this is an example right here of where every sermon that I preach to you is a sermon that I'm preaching to myself. We've got to unplug our headphones. We've got to unplug those cell phones. We've got to turn down the radio. We've got to turn off the TV. We've got to unplug Netflix. And whatever else that we're, that's, that's bringing noise into our lives. And with so much noise, it's so hard for our minds to truly rest. It's hard for us to really hear the voice of God. Last week, I, I mentioned very briefly about Elijah calling out to God when he was at his lowest. He thought that he was the only Jew left in the world, and so he hid away in his cave. He was scared, thought God had left him. I want you to hear, and some of you know this passage, I want you to hear how God spoke to Elijah. 1 Kings 19. The Lord said, 
Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. He said, okay, here we go, Elijah. Here it is. I'm here. Get out of your cave. Go to the mountaintop. I'm about to pass by. I can't imagine what Elijah was expecting, but here he goes. He says, then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. I mean, that had to have been God, right? Nope. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? God spoke to Elijah in a whisper. It wasn't in the loud wind. It wasn't in the rumbling earthquake. It wasn't in the rambling fire, but it was in a whisper. Other translations say that God spoke to Elijah in the midst of silence. He removed the noise and he heard God speak. If we want to find rest, if we want to hear God, we must remove the noise and create silence. Now, the best way to create solitude, the best way to create silence and to create moments of rest is to observe the Sabbath. This is the third S of of rest. Now, I observe a Sabbath, but it's not Sunday. I'm working, and it's not the only day that I work. So that's the really funny joke that we pastors love to hear. Did you catch the sarcasm? Okay, I was just checking. (laughs) Mine is Friday. It's my day off, and for me... It's a day where I am not a slave to time. I think for me, that's the the biggest point. Time is not my master. We all need a, a day. If you can't do a day, a set period of time where time is not your master. I know we have a good mix of those of us who are retired and those of us who are working and but those of us who are, who are, who are running a business or, or employed during working hours, time is your master. Everything we do is based on what time it is. A Sabbath is meant to free us from that. It's a day of rest, a time of rest. It can, it can be a whole day. It can be from dinner on Thursday to dinner on Friday. It can be from Friday morning to Friday evening. And I'm just using Friday as an example. It can be any day that works for you. And I don't want to mislead you. While Sabbath can and should involve solitude and silence, it should also include family time, fun, relaxation. One of the consequences of a workaholic culture is the strain it's placed on families. Fathers aren't home with their kids. Mothers aren't home with their kids. Fathers aren't uh, husbands aren't home with their with their wives. Wives aren't home 
with their husbands. So it would be a shame if on the day of rest, a Sabbath, we didn't make time for our families. Most importantly, Sabbath shouldn't include work. You see, God not only wants us to rest, he commands us to. God tells us in the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy 5, he, he, he says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, we've got to remember who God originally spoke these words to. He spoke this to a whole nation of people who had been enslaved for 400 years. For 400 years, they had not had a day off. And now he was making sure they would devote at least one day to rest. Jesus affirms the Sabbath in Mark 2. He says, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. God created the Sabbath for us, just like he's giving us rest. He gives us the Sabbath. He created rest for us. He wants to, to give it to us. Now, built into the, the rhythm of creation, God has designed us to take time for rest. God took six days to create earth and all that was in it. And on the seventh day, the Bible tells us that God rested. He finished his work and he rested. Let me ask you something. If God, the creator of the universe, the one who created you, the one who created me, the one who created all of life, if he took time to rest, don't you think you ought to give yourself permission to rest? Because here's the thing. If you're working yourself to death, you think there's just too much work to do and not enough time to do it, and you think there's, you know, that rest is for wimps and rest is for losers and that rest is for the weak then you are essentially saying that you know better than God. That you are better than God. God, had, God said he, he had done all he could do. That he was done. And he rested. And we're to rest as well. Here's what I want us to do, and you got some choices. I want you to look at your schedule. I want you to look at your calendar. And I want you to schedule moments of rest. Because here's the thing. We schedule the things that we want to do. We schedule the things that are most important to us. And so whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, schedule moments in your day for solitude. I also want you to find moments where you can just turn off the noise. Kristen and I were, we played Scrabble Friday. And we were like, when's the last time we've done that? 
Because usually we're just like, oh, Netflix, it's awesome. But it was just, it was just us and no noise and find time to be silent and use those moments of silence to listen to that whisper of God. And I want you to schedule a Sabbath. I know it's harder for some than others. But choose a, a, a day, a period of time just to rest from your labor. God wants to give you the gift of rest. Would you be willing to accept this most precious and awesome gift God wants to give you this morning? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of rest. And we humbly ask for forgiveness for not opening up that gift enough. Help us. And you, you know each of us, and you know our schedules, and you know what, what it's like for us, and so we just pray that you would help us to find moments of solitude and silence and Sabbath. Help us to have some tough conversations, maybe at work or tough conversations with our spouse or wherever that, hey, I need this. We need this. Help us, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.